0: Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and I have a real treat for you this week, and this very well could be our best interview ever, and I think you're about to hear why. I mean, today, you're going to get a chance to hear straight from a patriotic warrior and hero, Chris Peranto, about lessons he learned during 13 hours of hell saving American lives in the infamous Benghazi terror attacks. Lessons that you can learn from as well and put to use in your own personal defense plan for dealing with everything from the danger in the parking lot to an active shooter or even a Ferguson-like breakdown in civil order. Now, I also need to give a special shout-out to my friend Lee Atnip from the Black Diamond Cabaret, who's going to be featuring today's guest in a special event coming up in the Austin, Texas area. Lee is a true friend. She's a patriot and a sister to all of our veterans who she sponsors for her shows. Now, please show her your thanks at her website at www.blackdiamondshows.com. And if you live in the Austin, Texas, or the San Marcos area, try to get signed up to see Chris coming up next month. He's a great guy, and it will be a true honor to get a chance to shake his hand. But in the meantime, here's your chance to learn some amazing survival tactics straight from the man himself. Check this
1: out. Survival, Close Quarters Combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. On
0: the night of September 11, 2012, in Benghazi, Libya, an armed mob of militants attacked the U.S. State Department's special mission compound and a nearby CIA station called the Annex. A team of six American security operators went beyond the call of duty and, in fact, disobeyed stand-down orders that they knew they couldn't live with to courageously venture into the mass chaos in order to save the Americans trapped by the violent mobs. Now, the battle lasted for several hours and has become a political football with both sides of the aisle trying to place blame or rationalize their role in the security lapses that led to so many American deaths. The truth behind what really happened is now being recounted by that security team who had their boots on the ground in a new book called 13 Hours, the inside account of what really happened in Benghazi. But lost in all the political infighting is the fact that the Benghazi attack can teach us a very valuable lesson about surviving civil unrest. The events that unfolded in Libya represent the worst-case scenario you may face, even as a civilian, during times of collapse, where you're looking out at your window at Ferguson-type protests, unrest, violent mobs, no rule of law, and no help on the way. And while you'll find plenty of fiction novels and fantasy prepper sites that provide some insight into how to survive civil unrest, today we have the honor of getting those lessons learned straight from an actual warrior and survivor from the Brave Annex security team. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is Chris Tanto Peranto, one of only six annexed security team members who survived the grueling 13-hour attack in Benghazi and contributed to the book of 13 hours. Chris, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, Jeff. Hey, th- thank you for having me, and, and I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to talk to, your, talk to your listeners. Thanks a bunch, bro. Yeah,
0: this is awesome. I'm, I'm really honored to have you with us today. Now, listen, everybody. Chris is a former Army Ranger from the 2nd BAT 75th Regiment. Now He's He's also a private security contractor who's deployed throughout South America, Central America, the Middle East, and North Africa, not to mention work with the U.S. government's global response staff. Now, as I mentioned before, Chris was part of the CIA annex security team that helped save those American lives while fighting off the terrorist attack in Libya. To really find out more about Chris's compelling story and get the truth about what really happened during the Benghazi attacks, you can check out his website and the book, 13 Hours which he co-wrote with Michael Zukoff and other survivors of the CIA annex security team at Chris's website at www.christantoparanto.com. That's T-A-N-T-O, last name P-A-R-O-N-T-O.com. <laughs> we always gotta, I know, we always have to spell that out, right? You're probably getting tired of people yeah, spelling always, it out.
2: Yeah, you, you got to, because people put the O in there, both Tonto as in like a Lone Ranger and Tonto, and all my uh, all my Spanish friends, all my friends that speak uh, speak Spanish, they all T O N T O means foolish. So I don't, <laughs> I don't confuse them. <laughs> See,
0: no, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking the knife. Did you carry a tanto knife with you? Is that? Is yeah. That? Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, but you know, but honestly, that that's not where it came from. It came from. It it, uh, it came from me. It, it, it came from me being. Indian and Mexican. I'm Banevo Indian, and it, and it rhyming with my last name. And I just changed it to the A, yeah, because initially they wanted to kill I'm like no, guys, we're not putting the O in it. So yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. That's there you it. go. There
0: you go. <laughs> Listen, we we already know that there were that there were warning signs of trouble brewing in Libya before the protests and the attack ever came. But any time that you're you're in a hot zone like you were, I mean, violence you know can spring up at a moment's notice. Now, of course, when you're looking at the prospect of, of mobs at the front gate or in the case of civilians during a time of civil unrest, like looters at the front door, the more lead time that you have on intel, the better your chances of survivability. So as you look back on the attacks and and, and what led up to it, what were some of the warning signs that you now notice were red flags of trouble and then translate that for civilians who could be facing a time of unrest in their own neighborhood during times of crisis. I mean, what should they be looking out for that could give them kind of that lead time that they would need to be able to respond?
2: Well, you know, uh, there, there, were, there were several indicators, um, and there's fairly obvious. There was a couple of car bombs, or not, I'm sorry, not car bombs, IEDs that were set on the outside wall of the concert that exploded in blue holes in the wall. There was the attack, an, an actual attack on the British ambassador that was there that Paul caused his team to move out. And uh, we responded to that attack as well, um, as you over-respond to that element. So, you know, just just the overt attacks that were going on. And those messages were relayed up to uh, by the State Department because it was their compound. They, their own diplomatic security officers on the ground were relaying it up to their leadership. And it, it basically fell on deaf ears. Nothing came of it. So, um, so, you know, to say that there was anything that hindsight that could have been done on there, and honestly, they did everything. They did what they were supposed to do. They relayed. related. They asked for bigger weapons. They asked for more security, and it fell on deaf ears. So uh, I guess in hindsight, it would be uh, have better leadership at the State Department level <laughs> to assist them and listen to them on the ground. You know, that, that's what I could say there, because the guys on the ground actually did an excellent job relaying information up. Now, on a civilian side... Looking at it, it's, it's basically the same thing. Keep your eyes and ears to the ground. Um, I do that in my own community and I'll, I'll drive around my neighborhood and just make sure there's nothing out of the ordinary because that's usually the first indicator is just subtle things that you don't notice that, that you don't notice just by going through your normal day. You need to pick up it and get more attention to detail and just look for things that are out of the ordinary and, and see if there's a pattern of these out, in order, out of the ordinary things cropping up that you just didn't notice before because you become oblivious to them. Um, I think that's the biggest thing right there is just, just keeping an eye on your neighborhood, constant communication with your neighbors, having a rapport with your neighbors, um, is, is a plus too, not just think you're the old guy at the end of the block that, that's just on this, you know, sits on this porch with a shotgun telling the kids to get off the lawn. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta you got be able to, to see what's around the neighborhood. And, and that's, that's essentially the first thing. And then your preparedness, of course. Now, I know I, I am a second amendment guy. I carry everywhere I go. I have my concealed licenses, um, uh, but you know I I I carry because I want to protect my family. And the police officers are not close enough, and they're under fire right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know I, I do recommend that. I, and, it, and but you you be trained on that weapon system that you're carrying. Don't just carry and think that you're going to be able to pull that gun out and use it. If you have not trained with it, then nine times out of ten you're going to fail with it when it's time to use it. So you got to be you got to be uh, you got to be not necessarily an expert, but just know, be familiar with what you're carrying, know how to use it, have a holster that you're using that that you're 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 used to as well, and and uh, don't feel uncomfortable carrying it. I think that's the biggest thing. Is if you feel uncomfortable when you're carrying it, chances are you probably shouldn't be carrying it because you won't use it when when stuff starts to go bad. You'll lock up. Those are my two things. So it, it's just like you you led to, as, and you were saying be prepared. So already have the training involved already keep your eyes and ears open so when stuff goes down and that and those those fine motor skills start to decrease, your muscle memory takes over and, and you're you're ready to go. But, but bottom line before that, make sure that you're 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 paying attention to what's going on throughout your throughout your area of operations, which would be where you live, and and just keep your eyes and ears open. that's, that's the first thing. Keeping your eyes and ears open.
0: Yeah, we talk about that actually a lot in different scenarios. Like we call it our baseline. Like do you really know your baseline for and every sure. every city has a baseline, every community has a baseline, even like the outdoors has a baseline. And if you yes. and if you're just quiet and you actually pay attention, you can you can see what that baseline is. And then like you say, more importantly, you get you get to kind of notice it's like you have a radar where you wait a minute Something's it's yeah. not right here you know i don't hear any birds chirping i don't hear you know there's not enough people out on the street what do they know that i don't know like what's happening sort of a thing sure and then there's also you know exactly right. we've seen things even like i think in 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 libya or wherever it was like a lot of chatter online and we've seen that even with protests here like planned protests will try and organize events even throughout the country, maybe like to protest like Ferguson or something like that, where, you know, it might not be, you might not live in Ferguson, but you might live in a community where there's a staged protest that's going to happen at the same time as another protest or something like that.
2: If you're an expert at social media, which I am not, I still try to stay pay attention <laughs> to, but if you're good at social media, um, you know, that's that's where a lot of... That's where a lot of intelligence collection is coming from nowadays. Yeah, and, and yeah, if you're good at social media, sure. That's just like keeping your ears to the ground. I guess I'm more of a human intelligence guy, human guy, but but the social media, you know, it, it's 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 it is a a primary intel collecting collection uh, asset to use. And so yeah, if you have your guys, now I'm not saying to keep, keep to have a guy sit down in the basement all the time and monitor your <laughs> social media, yeah. Even though there are guys out there that do that, believe me, that's why I had to get rid of my Twitter account. I swear, <laughs> there's a lot of guys out there that just they have nothing else better to do. Um, but yeah. um, but if you have somebody that's an expert at it, yeah, use them. Yeah, utilize your strengths. That, that's the definite is. And, and if they're willing to to give you information off the social media sites and and, and help you out in that regard, use them. I, utilize all the assets that you have. Yeah. Everybody has a strength, whether it's uh, being able to shoot or. Being able to whip up some good chow. I mean, <laughs> use their strength to their advantage. That, that's a that's that's a good point. I mean, that is a really good point.
0: Well, and I think and I think your point also, just even talking about having a you know having a weapon, but not only having a weapon, but actually training with it, that helps to yeah. establish kind of a network as well. Because if you go down to the local range, I mean, yeah, you're going to get kind of the the basement you know nut jobs that might come out to shoot their yeah. you know their 50 caliber at the range <laughs> or whatever, but. You might have some people there that you know, just with talking with people that maybe are more in tune with what's happening in your area, and that's that's kind of like your own you know human intelligence network that you can just kind of foster at the same time as your as your training. So cool. correct,
2: correct, and it really does build confidence and builds rapport yeah. with people around too. and that's 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 huge. And you don't feel like you're on your own, right? And that's just that just that subtle confidence that gives you gives you that, that edge that, that you know that something happens that that possibly there will be somebody there next to you to help. And that really, that, that helped me that just knowing my yeah. buddies were there as well, knowing that we were fighting together and each one had our back and we each had each other's backs. That that gives you immense confidence. Yeah. So like I said, don't be a loner in your neighborhood, make friends, make friends and make, make friends that, that believe in the same things you do. But, you know, sometimes your, your, your friend is your enemy, your enemy is your friend, make friends with people maybe you're not comfortable with, or at least get to the report them mean. And there's another intel collector there, but you also may find you not but don't have that many differences as well, and they can assist you. Good Just don't point. be a loner. Is what I always tell people. Don't don't be a loner. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, Chris, when you're when you're living in a hot zone, anything can happen. And, and sometimes these types of of violent uprisings or flash mob attacks can take place without yeah. any warning whatsoever. And I think the most terrifying elements of civil unrest seem to be like when you're facing a mob, when you know that you're trapped and you don't have the benefit of knowing that there are six badasses headed your way to rescue you. So for civilians who could be facing an angry mob or looters in their area, what would you say are the most important elements of establishing like a plan B escape strategy ahead of time sure. in order to avoid getting trapped in the violence when, when everything goes to hell? Well,
2: you know, I, I have been trapped in mobs before, and in and, and Baghdad I have been. And the thing that gets you out of there is you do you really just said it, you hit the nail on the head, is you have escape routes out. So when you're heading to areas, and you, the only time it's not going to work is if you're going to an area that's unfamiliar with you. If you're familiar with the area, you probably already know where roads are to get out, back alleyways, so forth, back doors of buildings. And if you're in an area or you're going to an area that you're unfamiliar with, Study up a little bit, I'm not saying that you gotta sit down and do a full map reconnaissance and set of sand tables and <laughs> do <laughs> do some operations uh you know with with a uh with basically with with like we did a ranger school with uh yarn and and little army soldiers uh, in the middle of a sandbox but i'm saying is is just trying to have a feeling of of what roads in what your access is in what your accesses out are so if uh it's nine times out of ten when there is going to be a mob protest, they're coming from one direction, which leaves routes out. And you just need to know all those various routes out. But then it goes right back again is paying attention to your surroundings, seeing what's going on. You, you can generally tell, maybe it may only be a few minutes, but you can generally tell when something's not right. And you can see people and the adrenaline start going and people start to move a little bit quicker. And And when you get that feeling, don't be a tough guy. Don't just one against 50, I don't care how badass you are, you're going to lose. Get just just, just quietly and nonchalantly, without causing panic, just leave. And, you know, when you do that, that also creates you're not a target. If you're moving quickly and you're starting to panic, for some reason that sets off that mob and you become a target. Um, if you just are calm, cool, and collected and just say, you know, it's time for us to go. Whether you're with your family, with your girlfriend, with your wife, get in your truck whatever you drive if you're driving I don't think people that li- drive Prius is probably listening to this, so I'm not gonna say that, <laughs> but' you're, you're getting in your truck and, and 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 you just and you just go Um, don't one thing that I tell guys is don't don't try to be a tough guy- 'cause you will not win against multiple opponents you know you, i'm sorry there, there's no Batman, there's no Superman out there. it just doesn't happen that way. Maybe two or three, but six or seven, sorry, it's not going to end. Fifty, you're going to get your arms ripped out your sockets. Just just go.
0: That's really a hard thing. Yeah, that's a hard thing to get across to a lot of people who just plan on, like, spray painting a looters-will-be-shot sign and then standing, you know, behind their door with a shotgun, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the, the people that I do feel bad for, the store owners and so forth, who just try to make a living and they get looted. Um, you know, it's just you only have so many rounds, and and normally you know, you can take some guys out. And I don't I don't condone shooting up people. Right. Don't condone. Sure. But but if you're protecting your your store and you're protecting your safety, sure, you, you know, that happens. But still, you know, it, you're, it's not going to come out come out well. It's going to lose in the end, whether it be with our our, our government going to come after you and say it's your fault, even though you're attacked by 20 people, you shouldn't kill them. Or you're just going to lose your life. So uh, it, it goes right back down to just paying attention. And I'm, I'm actually going back to some instance over in, when we were in Iraq, and it happened in Iraq. And, and you, you could you could just feel it in the air that something's not right. We need to get out of here. It's time yeah. to go. Well, I like and we the. Have
0: I like the planning thing. Like you said, a lot of people, a lot of people don't even think that it's an option, really. Whether they're too old or whatever, they don't really plan on making that evacuation order. But it does take planning. And I like your, you know, yeah. your idea, like basically just knowing what your area is and and you know having a map on standby. You know, I mean, I was in the military too. I mean, we always had a map. You always knew yeah, where map. you were on the map. Yep. If you didn't know where you were on the map, you were temporarily disoriented. You know, but. But having that and knowing where your ingresses and your egresses are, like any choke points that you have or where the hospital is located, where are the police stations located. And then, you know, but like you said, you know, that doesn't, just because you have a map, if you're, you need to drive around and know, like, where are their construction zones now? You might have an egress that goes over a bridge that's now, you know, under construction and you hit there and now you're at a a dead end. So staying up to date on that.
2: You, you do definitely, and and one thing, even though I hate them, is is you should sure always have your cell phone on you. Always keep it on you. Don't leave it in the car. Or, and most people do, and, and it's just it's the easiest way to co locate. You if somebody if something bad happens. But you, know, you you got that you got that ability, even though they don't get to you as quick as I would like. You do still have that ability to call nine one one or. Or call your backup. Call your friends. I I have yeah. backup here. That is, I can't, I say, guys, I need you here. Can you? And, and they will. They'll be there as long as they're not at work. But, I guess, <laughs> you know, I guess, I, I've i never called them when i needed them at work. So uh, but I, I could almost say that they probably leave work and come assist. So, yeah. uh, so that's, that's a, the communication. Kamal. You're a military guy. You always had commo combo went down. That's right. You know, it was always the first thing that went down. But, you know, when it went down, you did feel like you were left out in the cold. So always have that comma with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you've been listening to my interview with Chris Peranto from ChrisTantoPeranto.com about valuable tactics that you can learn from his harrowing battle during the Benghazi terror attacks. And we have a lot more coming up for you, including everyday carry gear that you should consider for dealing with everything from the threats outside your door to surviving a flash mob riot. Urban escape and evasion movement tactics for finding your way to safety when the world is crumbling around you, and no BS last ditch strategies for surviving a brutal mob intent on making you and those you protect victims during a period of social unrest. But first, check out this special message. <coughs>
1: In any disaster, crisis or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover... The seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie, but you know that no one can protect your family better than you can if you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival don't wait until it's too late find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of survival gear secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com and now back to our show
0: Okay, we're back with Chris Peranto of ChrisTantoPeranto.com to discuss the details of his 13-hour Benghazi battle and the lessons that he has to share about how you can survive the threats of a city in chaos during times of civil unrest. We have a lot more to get to, so let's jump back in with Chris now. You know, one of the strategies that we promote at Modern Combat and Survival is layering your survival gear, and that includes planning for your everyday carry or your... Or your EDC gear, we call it, you know, and yeah. those are the things like that you need for an instant disaster right then and there. So, at, when we're looking at when looking at EDC gear, that could be anything like even just like something that's nonviolent, like a like you need to escape from a burning building. You know, what do you have on you that can help you get out of that? But it could be like escaping and invading an active shooter or a flash mob riot, like we've seen, you know, pop up in some of the sections of the United States. So based on your experience with with facing a real-life attack, what gear, gadgets, and gizmos do you recommend people add to their EDC gear that could help them escape, you know, specifically something like you face, like with a breakdown in in civil order?
2: Well, you know, again, a cell phone, even a backup, if you you have that ability to have one. Um, This is worst-case scenario. And, and, but I keep them in my car and sometimes I'll even keep them on me. I I have a tourniquet on me. I'll be honest. I I do. Maybe that's the worst case scenario, but I do. Cause I've seen where they were needed and where they saved people's lives. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I've seen, I, I, I've, I have i have had the luxury of putting them on too. And, uh, and so I, I do know they worked. Um, you know, just your, your necessary go bag. Um, if if you're carrying a go bag, and and I don't know if you promote that or not, if you guys carry what they call go bag where you keep stuff in. in. Yeah,
0: we um, we take. I used to have like you know my my map bag. We called it something different in the army, of course, but you know, and I won't. Okay. It's a little bit less poli- politically correct, so I won't say it. But basically, <laughs> you know, you, we we do talk about like the tactical purse or the the or the man purse, sort of a thing, yeah. or having some sort of an EDC bag with you too.
2: Yeah, and that's, I, I use the camera bag. Yeah. You know, when you're, in your, when you're really faced with a flash mob, though, you may want to have some water with you. I am um, actually downstairs, or I just walked back up. I was working out. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily can say, hey, keep this in you. But I still stay in shape because you may have to go on foot, and you may have to jump walls. And I've had to do that before with armor and machine heads get to Get to a mob to, to fight them off, but also get away. Um, I recommend that. I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't need I got my vehicle. That vehicle's going to go down. Or you're going to get stuck in an area where you're going to have to dismount. So I do recommend to stay in some sort of shape. You got to. Um, having, having a little bit of a, and this is silly, but, but to, to some people, but having some sustenance. You know, I have a candy bar in my car. I have some bubble gum, something to get when you're, because you, you don't know how long you have to run for. You don't know if you're going to get stuck somewhere. And having that little bit of food really gives you that little burst of energy especially, or having something.
0: Especially, you know, yeah, go. especially when adrenaline's kicking in. I and mean, that's going to that's yeah. drain that, that energy out of you also.
2: Oh, oh yeah. It is, and um, yeah, I guess it, it is good to have some sort of, depending on, and I'm not telling you to break local laws. I'm not going to tell you that. That's on your own court if you want to do that. But I, I do, uh, I usually carry a Glock, but if I don't have it, I have a 43, a little Glock 43. And I put it in my bag. And it's there if I need it for any Granted, you're not going to be able to shoot too far out, but if you know, I, I the old adage of of I'd rather be judged by twelve than carried by six. And you, if you're with your family, you, you're going to use it. So, so but keep something in there, uh, and also a Leatherman or a knife or a tool or something to to help you if you get stuck in your vehicle and you got to cut your way out. You know, one of the uh, seatbelt tools. Something like that. A knife is, is good. A Leatherman is good. You, know, you you gotta, gotta start thinking just normal stuff. Not really outside the box. Just normal things that you might need. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you too. Most people have cameras on their phones. I know go bags. I used to put a camera in there, but not any people here can, you know, you got them dang smartphones. And it, sometimes it's good to have that just to, just to support your case of what took place. If you do get picked up or something happens along the way, snap a couple shots. And then when you know, you, you see there's an attack on a lot of people that, that value Second Amendment rights and value the Constitution, sometimes you're going to need a picture to validate yourself so you don't get thrown in jail for doing the right thing. And, and I know that's kind of outside the box. It's a little bit pessimistic, but it's kind of where we're at in today's society. Unfortunately, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, other other than that... <laughs> You don't want to get too heavy. You don't want to weigh yourself down, and you want to keep it somewhere. Um, and I'm thinking, what I'm thinking right now is not necessarily if you're in your house, but if you're out in town and you get caught. I guess I'm not thinking in the realms. If you're in your house, you want to stay in your castle. Yeah. You Don't want to get thrown out. You know. But if you're out in town, that's about it. You got to stay light. You got to be able to move, and you got to be able to, to to utilize your avenues of your I'm your, your egress points to get out of there. Um, if you think something else, suggests Jeff, add it to it, brother. Because I'm not the—I'm never going to call myself an expert. And there's always more tools that I can add to my kit bag. So you tell me if there's yeah. more stuff on there you want to add. Go ahead, brother. Uh, and if you're deemed worthy, I'll throw them in my truck right now.
0: Uh, I'll send you over a copy. We've got an EDC guide. I'll send you over a copy. There's some pretty funky stuff in there, but we—you know—we like to get funky. So, but it's oh, cool. Oh, you go. Um,
2: say, and I just I just like to keep it light. I really do keep yeah. it light, and that's just from my experience. Just keeping it light and being able to move quickly, and and uh, and being in the state side though, that's even your more luxury there. Because overseas, if you had to move on foot quickly, it could uh, you you may have to go a distance to get somewhere safe. Where here, you know, you, you could uh, run to a McGruff house, or at least you're somewhere close that you're not going to be moving on foot for miles and miles and miles. At least. At least ninety percent of the time. I, I honestly, maybe you could. I don't know where somewhere where you'd have to be going on foot for a big distance just to get out of there. And, and um, but it may you overseas you did. So, yeah. Uh,
0: well, I, and I, I and really and, and I was in light infantry, and so we what well, we pound away all the time. I was in tenth mountain, and so you oh, know yeah. we had yeah. you know yeah. travel light, freeze at night, and so you know there's a lot of people out there to talk about their go bags and stuff, and you go see these lists. And they're a mile long, I mean, they've got sleeping bags, they've got you know tents inside of there and tarps, and it's like you try walking a hundred miles with one of those things on your back or five miles with one of those things it you
2: know? it ain't gonna happen in no. the states brother unless it's complete anarchy, which gosh, I hope this doesn't happen. I don't say famous last words here. um you're you're gonna get to some place where you can you can warm up, but you're never going to be out on the land like living out in the woods. Yeah. Time. So yeah, get you all that stuff. Yeah. And you know as good as I do, if you keep moving, you stay warm. So just yep. keep moving, and, yep. and you're not going to get cold. But yeah, you're, you're. Yep, I, I feel you, bro I would. I would agree with you. Keep it as light as possible. Keep a little snack in there, a Snickers bar. Keep a little water in there. Keep something to protect yourself. Keep a tool that you can use if you need to cut something, catch your way out, or use it as a screwdriver or so forth to jimmy doors to get into for safety. Um, but other than that, man, keep a tourniquet, keep a tourniquet, and maybe a hemoclot. I do have a hemoclot in my bag as well. Yeah. Um. But or something that you, people you have to experience now you're going to burn the crap out of yourself and put it where you don't need to, or or some sort of uh, gauze, gauze, and just it's just normal stuff. It yeah. Really is. It's just normal stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that walking because when when you and your team in Benghazi finally made the decision to execute your own mission to go and <laughs> save those people that were trapped by the enemy. You didn't have the benefit of being able to jump in the Humvee and head on off to their location. You know, you had a you literally had a yeah. 30 minute walk in the middle of an urban area riddled with people who would basically want to just skin you guys alive. Now, for a civilian who's facing sure. social chaos and, and is, you know, is actually forced to move, whether it's to evacuate their location or maybe there's a loved one who's at work or something like that. And they need to go and rescue them. You really yeah. have to think of it like a military mission and you have to know how to travel tactically from point a to point b without getting noticed or trapped or caught by a mob so going back to that night what would you say i mean in that translation what are what are a few like urban movement tactics that someone should consider in order to travel unnoticed and avoid being you know attacked in areas where there might be like these roving gangs of of violent looters and protesters
2: Sure. Well, you, first of all, you stay. Most of those looters and violent—they're going to stay where they can be seen. They're going to stay on the main roads. They—they want to make a show out of it more than anything. And the media is going to give it to them. Hmm. So you—you—it—it you, it really is just like playing hide and go seek. You, you do want to use those back alleys. You want to go through backyards. You know, if you got it, I had to jump several fences, and that thirty minutes. Just let me remind. Let me tell your people that 30 minutes, or well, was 25 minutes, it took us to go on foot after we were delayed 25 minutes. That was only 400 meters. It took us 25 minutes to sneak our way through back alleyways mm-hmm. and without getting caught or without getting ambushed, because we didn't know where they where were at, where they were at, al Qaeda and, and Maghreb. That was 400 meters, and, and that's how methodical you may have to be. You may have to take it a little slow. You may have to move in. And the, the, uh, the, um, the goal is to not get caught. And in those situations over there, at least we still, I mean, I have a machine gun, I have my rifle, I, I had great big weaponry for, uh, individual, um, individual light weapons, but you won't have anything, so you may even have to move slower. It may even, well, and then again, it may speed you up because you're lighter. My thing is, it's utilize, it may not be the easiest, easiest avenues to use, but it's the most dark, the most secret and it's out of the main main mob areas. It's out of the main areas where people are massing. Um you know and, and that's been that's one route. I mean there's there's actually two ways to do it too. That's the main. Um that's the way I would probably do it now. Depending on the size of the area, sometimes you can just act like you just belong there. And I know it's silly, some of the funny movies probably use that, but it works sometimes as well. Hmm. Act like, hey, I'm just, I belong here, I'm just walking through, I'm just passing through. Um, If you know that you're not going to fit in based off the ethnicity, based off the the people that are riding, then the first option is probably your better option. (laughs) You probably want to sneak and and you want to play, and you do want to go through all the alleys that you can. If you have to go- uh, you know a few blocks out of the way to get out then go a few blocks out of the way that's where it goes back to being in shape again, having a little bit of an endurance because you're gonna need it um but if it's somewhere where you can actually feel like you can blend a bit um you can you can actually people people get so lost in those riots they don't even pay attention they're, they're fine most of motor skills are gone their adrenaline is gone all they're thinking about is looting or or looking for a specific uh, specific target at times, and people think well, looters are just indiscriminate. Not really. They're <laughs> they're looking for either some some store to loot because they want a TV, or they're actually looking for a specific colored individual, specific ethnicity, and they're going after them. Yeah. So uh, you again have to keep yourself aware, and you got to know and pay attention to what. What exactly are these looters doing? What part of the town am I in? What and I'm going back to it. I'm not being. I'm and I'm not politically correct. I'm not even going to try to be. But you got to look at the ethnicity and you got to say who is the, are the majority of these people Mexican? Are the majority of them black? Are the majority of them white? Um, what am I? Am I fitting in with this? No, then I probably need to stay out of the way. Or you can go grab a CNN reporter knock them out, take your camera, and pretend like you're filming. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's option three. That's your tertiary right there. Well, Um, and sometimes,
0: and nowadays, it seems like, you know, like the L.A. King riots were definitely like a one-sided attack. And there have been other more recent stuff that was like one-sided that was really racially motivated. But now you're seeing things where you know, the, the mobs for like a like a Ferguson type thing, um, you know, you're getting Black Lives Matter, you're getting groups like that, but you're seeing a lot of whites and just kind of middle class people in there protesting as well. And so, you know, it's kind of like the, um you know, the fox and, and the rabbit. If, you know, if you run like a rabbit, you're going to look like prey. And when people, exactly. you know, turn around and see that, all of a sudden now you're a target. But Even if you're white and you start hooting and hollering and you have a big, happy, you know, look on your face like, you know, hey, knock over a damn sign or, you know, kick a car on your way out or whatever. But, you know, then work your way to the outside of the crowd and then, you know, kind of slip away.
2: You're exactly right. It works. And and you may feel like a cheese cheese head doing it. I don't (laughs) want to offend any of my Wisconsin listeners. You may feel like one doing it, but your object is to get out of there and get out of there. That's right. Yeah, and, and and that is your main goal, and so it goes all the way back again to assessing the situation before you start getting into it. I can I tell guys coming in when I because I used to train GRS guys guys, well. I used to vet them through courses, and I would just say you got to assess the situation. Don't just go in there with guns a-blazing or going there crazy mm. because you you, you got to take a step back, count to thirty, look. Okay, I got it. I I think I know what I need to do, and then then apply that plan that you got in your head, something that you've already, already war game, And that's another thing, too. I war-game constantly. I think I'm a little weird because I always, and when I say war-game, I mean, I look at situations. Even when I'm driving around town, it's a good day. I'm like, okay, what would I do in this situation? And, and that, so when you start to panic or the adrenaline kicks in or the fire flight kicks in, you're always going to fall back to your highest level of training. So as long as you're training in your head, when that happens and you need to, you're, you're basically, your, your emotions are all, in, all getting all wild, your, your instincts can take over. Because that's what's going to happen. And, but always, always at least think to yourself, before I start anything, I need to take a few, few seconds and assess the situation and find out what my first, best course of action is at this point. And then fill and flow. You've probably heard that before when you clear a room. You just fill and flow. Move. You may have to change your plan, but move to the next next option that you thought about before, or worked on before, and then you just keep moving until you're until you're out of there. Yeah, and um, it, it's exhausting. I'll be honest. Is, at the end of it, after after even after 20 minutes, and your brain's crazy, and you're moving slowly, or you're crouching, or you're or you're trying to fit in with the with people that want to rip your arms off. It's exhausting. I, so I tell people, try 13 hours of it. I wish I had a Snickers bar. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're able to get out of there. Ooh, that was close. I had a Snickers. I needed a break. I was like that commercial acting like Roseanne was it Roseanne Bar or where she yeah, I and mean, then I had her Snickers bar and I'm back to normal. You know, yeah. I didn't change. Um yeah, but yeah, I am rambling because I guess you're getting all excited. I'm not thinking right now.
0: <laughs> no, this guess, um like, oh <laughs> this actually is gonna take us into into um kind of the last question but uh, but it kind of gets into the no B S zone of it. But but I think what you hit is like it's so dead on because um, you know, I I've, I didn't have all the combat experience that you did. I had I had some combat experience, but I mean, sure. what you guys went through is just freaking unreal. And afterwards, I I did executive protection work for my security sure. uh, details. And so one of the things with that is you, you can never enter the detail thinking, okay. Well, you know, today is going to be a day like any other day. You've got to really look at it as like, oh, no, no, today is the day like there's going to be an attack. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and yeah. how are they going to do it. And so no matter whether you're driving or whether you're standing outside a hotel room, wherever you're doing, you you really do have to keep wargaming, like you said, of like, OK, where's it going to come from? Where's our weak spot right yeah. now? And it is Fucking grueling mentally. It's exhausting to be able to just constantly think that almost, you know, I mean, you have to think of it like a, a sort of paranoia. But when something happens, it's not like you're going to be caught flat footed as much as exactly. if you were just kind of snoring next to the hotel room or whatever. So like you said, I mean, it's really about where, when you're driving around, knowing what the situation is like when you're when you're yep. driving in traffic instead of taking, you know, going right up on somebody's bumper at a red light giving yourself <laughs> yep. room to move around and maneuver, you know, it's,
2: you, yep. Yep. You, it, I, I do that all the time. Like, okay, how can, what's my out? And yeah. you know, I think that's just from, from doing all the driving overseas and, and, and then just looking around and say, okay, I got to get off. So if I need to get out of here, yeah. do I need to jump this curb? And it, you're you're right. It, it is a bit, paranoia is fine. I don't care if people call it paranoia. I'm proud of it. I yeah. do have some paranoia, um, but it, it keeps me safe. And, and, what I want people to realize, too, when that happened that night, I had already spent close to nine years overseas, so I honestly believe, and I have faith, I, I'm, I have much faith in God, and I do believe that situation worst possible scenario happened at that time, because I already had the training, and had put it to use, and it war gained, I don't know how many times that I could handle that situation, and all of us there, all of us were in our 40s, all of us had served in the military for many years, and overseas many years, so I it, I, I don't think I would have handled it the same if it would have happened to me on my first trip over. Yeah. And it, that, all that experience, it just – it. so when that happens, when the worst case scenario happens, you're ready for it. Yeah. And it goes back to what we're talking, just continually wargaming and thinking and what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? What do I need to do now? How do I get out of the situation? And and uh, and going like that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if, you, if it drives you crazy, well, <laughs> I guess it drives you crazy. then. <laughs> Well, I guess we are a little crazy, aren't we, brother? A little bit, you
0: know. There's some conditioning yeah. in there, I'm sure, but <laughs> you know, this is um. So I mean, you, I mean, you've had, like you said, you were kind of through osmosis. You were in that that mental state for a lot, and you and yeah. amazing training and everything else, and so. You know, no matter, no matter how much you try to avoid it, I mean, you guys went into it, but somebody could really be faced with that worst case scenario where they're, where they're staring down a mob that's intent on, on harming them. And for civilians who haven't, who haven't served time in a combat zone or maybe like for a poli- you weren't a police officer during the L.A. Rodney King riots, this really is going to be outside of their comprehension. I mean, you know, it's like she- some people just go into yeah. shell shock, but, but you survived it. So, what advice can you offer to civilians as far as specific tactics and methods for surviving sure. that kind of brutality when when violence hits their area?
2: Well, you know, some some there are many many places now where courses are offered, and and you know, I, sometimes I think these courses are cheesy, like your, your urban survival courses or your or your. Uh, or your, maybe even your out, outland, your woodland survival courses. But on, honestly, they're, they're good because it at least gets your brain thinking. Mm-hmm. And if you have the opportunity, and it's, and it's a lot of people now, a lot of guys especially that, that run those courses, ex-military guys, ex-law ex enforcement guys, they make them fun. And, and, and that's what you – I had fun. If people haven't read the book or have actually ever met me, I hope you're getting a gist of this now from me here, is I had fun. I was joking around all night. That's my defensive mechanism. I joking around. I was asking. I was at when people were asking me what I needed up on my roof. I was asking for strippers. And I said that <laughs> in the book, and that's just. But I was. You, you have fun, and you got to keep your your yourself positive, even when you. Man, I don't know if I'm going to get out of here. All right, well, you know what? Put that out of your head. I'm going to have fun tonight. I'm going to take some of your guys with me. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, it's a great experience, and that's why a lot of these training courses you go through because they're fun. And when the situation happens. The last thing you remember from training is I was having a good time. Well, let's have a good time in this. All right, don't panic if if and then also you you got to get it in your head. Yes, you do want to get home, but you can't dwell on the fact. And I never did this. And I I when my reflection whenever something like this happened overseas, whether it was Libya, whether it was Iraq, whether it was Afghanistan, crisis situation was. I never thought, oh, crap! I'm going to die here in this place. This sucks. I'm never going to see my no. Because if you think like that, you will. You yeah. will never get home to yeah. your family. You, you you put it in your head, and the last thought that you had, or the last something that you had with the family was, that's I, my last thought was, or my last th- discussion was. I told my family I loved them, and and I said, hey, you know, and, and everybody laughed, and that was good. So I left. Last time I talked to them, we left happy. So my thing is, if you do have loved ones. You know, don't leave the house angry. Don't, you know, don't make that your last thought. And if something like this happens, or you're in a situation, but also make sure that you don't dwell in a situation that I need to get home. I'm gonna, or I'm gonna. I'm sorry, not that that you're gonna, you're gonna die. And you're never gonna see him again. You gotta get that out of your head, and you gotta stay positive, and you gotta think to yourself, what do I need to do to get out of here? And 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 just keep moving and think of your next step because when you start dwelling on the negatives, your whole psyche goes down, your emotion. And you know this brother, you know, this is just well, but your whole emotions go down and you're all now you're thinking and all you're dwelling on is I'm going to die on the street with this mob, with this terrible mob around me. And you can't, you can't think like that. If you do, then like you said, you, you, you not, you're going to you increase your chances of not getting home and dying there on the streets. So, um, yeah, I think maybe a little bit morbid, but that's, that's just how it is.
0: You no, know, I mean, that wow. makes total sense. But that's a really hard thing, I think, also to get across to people who haven't been in combat or maybe weren't a police officer in, you know, in a firefight yeah. or something, because, you know, I mean, I, I think that and I and I know I mean, you've already faced death. I mean, the first time, you know, usually your first firefight, you realize, holy shit, you know, I'm, I I <laughs> very well could die. And then then once you've embraced it, it's a matter of, OK, it's not it's not an uncommon feeling anymore. You know, the adrenaline, you become more conditioned to it and you can make better decisions and things like that. But for a lot of people, especially civilians, they spend their, their lives trying to avoid stress, you know? So, you know, one of the things I tell people like, look, I'm not saying, you know, go walk down dark alleys in Los Angeles to try try and go build up some adrenaline, but, (laughs) you know, they say that the, I think, I think that, I think the, I think the, the study is that what people fear even more than death is like public speaking and so you know i've even told people like look go join like toastmasters or something like you're gonna you're gonna be forced up onto a podium in front of a group of people and you're gonna feel like you wish you were dead but (laughs) that adrenaline though at least gives you it gives you a type of adrenaline that that's really hard to manufacture you know i mean even trying to play it out in your head or whatever but but if you get that holy shit feeling like I'm scared to death and you, you get through it and then you get through it again and then again. And all of a sudden, you know that's why I love Toastmasters because they help you gain that confidence in everything. And so, so that's what I like what you're saying, like that, that mental preparation. And if you can yep. get some sort of training, like you said, I mean, even if it is some fantasy prepper camp or whatever, with a bunch of those guys actually come out of their basement and start playing around and stuff, you know. I mean, at least it's exposure, or you know, even paintball. Like I love my paintball, my son, was, yeah, yeah, my thirteen yep. year old son, and I love to go paintball and then, and we charge like head on into it. Like we'll have guys in the back, like, no, I'm looking to get shot. I'm looking to I'm looking to get shot now by a paintball so that I can learn what not to do when it's you know
2: <laughs> when it's
0: not paint. So
2: i was thinking the same thing. Same thing with the – people realize this. This is when I finally got it. And I, I don't even remember the year it was. I, I sat around and I'm thinking, man, when I'm scared or when I'm excited or when I want to fight, the drone comes up. It's the same freaking feeling. It's yeah. the same thing. So when that when that fight or flight response comes up, don't get scared. It's, it's your body Embrace getting it. ready to get in a fight. It's, just getting, it's getting itself ready, getting that oil and those juices flowing. If, so you, you said it better than I did when you said embrace it. You got to embrace that feeling because it's the same. Whether you're going to get in the fire, whether you're going to run out, it's that same adrenaline. And you, you, all it is is your body getting ready to do something and do something very fast or very quick, or, or, or and getting your body ready to, to, to move and, and 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 accomplish whatever goal that you have in mind. Whether it is to get out of there. Or whether it is to to get in a fight, definitely don't want to go into black though. And that's when you let that system overload go. Yeah. And that's where I tell, that's where I said at the beginning, take a step back, give yourself a few minutes, assess the situation. That allows it your system to kind of calm down a little bit, so you don't go the black and you don't just shut down. Yeah. Um, get if, some combat and,
0: breathing in there and and get yeah, the ground yeah.
2: back in. Yeah. yeah you're, you're exactly right. And, and just get get out there and 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 do fun stuff and, and get. Get that adrenaline going up in safe situations, and you'll be you'll be amazed at how much that helps you if you ever are faced with a adverse or crisis situation. Like, okay, I know this feeling; I felt it before. Okay, I can deal with this, and and you move on. Yeah, and you, and you do what you need to do.
0: Awesome, Chris. Awesome information, man. I really appreciate you taking taking time to share your experience with us, and not only that, but actually help others learn from your experience. So, uh, so oh, thanks, I really appreciate man. it. Thanks, man.
2: Listen, everyone. Uh, I, Appreciate it. Thanks, Brody. Thank you. God bless you, man.
0: Yeah. Listen, everyone, I know the news can get confusing about what really happened that night in Benghazi, but who are you going to believe? Some politician or the warriors with actual boots on the ground who bravely ran toward danger to save American lives? I know it's a pretty obvious answer, and I highly recommend that you go and check out the book that Chris helped put together, 13 Hours, The Inside Account of What Really Happened in Benghazi. You can check it out as well as learn more about Chris at his website at www.christantoperanto.com. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now.
1: This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment.